Thank you for tuning in to Tactile, a practical guide to transforming art and culture. This is the podcast of Leveraging a Network for Equity, LANE, a program of the National Performance Network. LANE supports arts organizations of color and rural organizations with time and resources needed to grow their infrastructure in ways that are culturally authentic and moves the field towards justice. I'm your host, Sage Crump, Program Specialist for Lane. Marching up to freedom Welcome, everyone. We're really excited about this episode of Tactile. We have an opportunity to talk with one of uh, Lane's founding organizations, one of our, our Alpha cohort members, uh, um, Makla, um, and I'm going to let um, Makla, Angie, and Letitia t- tell you what Makla stands for because I don't want to be the one who uh, tries all of that. And someone's like, "Hey, Sage," but Makla has been a part of the uh, National Performance Network for quite a while now, and, and has really been instrumental in holding down uh, work of NPN partners in California and um, for uh, Latino organizations um, across the country and art and culture organizations. So I am really excited to be here with Angie Helstrop Alvarez, the Executive Director of MACLA, and Leticia Rodriguez, Direction of Operations, who have, I think you two probably made every single lane gathering <laughs> um, throughout the four years. They were stalwarts in the process and I'm really excited for other folks to hear about the journey that I got to take with you all hand in hand um, and how the things that we talk about with Lane have shifted, manifested, or even concretized the things you believed and your values uh, for your organization. So I'm going to, and that's by my way of introduction, and I'm going to ask Angie and Leticia if you'll tell us a little bit about Makla and a little bit about yourselves. So um, my name is Angie Helstrop-Alvarez, and thank you, Sage. It's such an honor and a pleasure to spend time with you and Leticia talking today about Makla and our journey with Lane. Um, So Makla is an acronym for our full name in Spanish, which is Movimiento de Arte y Cultura Latinoamericana, roughly translates to Movement of Latin American Art and Culture. And so we are a community-based arts organization located in downtown San Jose. We were founded in the late 1980s on the wave of multiculturalism and the culture wars in the United States. And very community-based, very sweat equity, grassroots, and have transformed um, these last 30 years and really thinking through, you know, Makla First as an organization was not a place. We were an advocacy organization, and our three co-founders, Eva Terrasas, Maribel Alvarez, and Rick Sager, are true visionaries in our community and really created this organization with so much love and care. And I recently came across some of the original papers they had and there was this diagram of two overlapping circles with art and community. And really saying we have kept to that focus of creating a space for 
she connects and Latinx artists to present their work and for our broader community to come and engage and be part of um, uplifting our artists' voices and being a place to come and learn and connect with one another and hold space. So, Letitia, I, I take, I'll pass it to you. All right, all right. Well, thank you. Um, and, and again, Lane, uh, um, Sage, thank you for, for inviting us here. Being part of Lane has just been an incredible experience. It's been a, a, a talking about a growth mindset, you know, that's, that's definitely been where, where, where I've been from there. Um, I am, um, I've lived here in California for almost 30 years now. I am originally from Houston, Texas and had the opportunity to live in different parts of the country. Uh, when we moved here to uh, San Jose, um, I looked at the landscape of what was going on and I came to volunteer at MACLA. Uh, I was excited, I liked what they were doing, um, but then I thought, well, okay, well, I'm gonna do something else. There was a sister organization that was just starting to build their cultural center, the physical building, which was my, my dream, my passion. And I went there for 10 years and uh, then I went to go work with the um, American GI Forum, uh, a veterans organization for another 10 years. And I thought I had retired. I was done. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know, Angie, our paths crossed. And, um, you know, a little job opened up. And I was like, well, let me just go and talk to her. And oh, my God, you know, I found Makla to be very different from when I first um, stepped in here it was a vibrant cultural center that was supporting artists and building leadership you know building arts arts patrons building arts workers um and that excited me so it was like okay here i am uh five years later you know with my little tiny my little tiny job and i i'm i'm in a place that I just I really enjoy every day it's challenging yes but we have the opportunity again to um, build leadership build bring in a younger demographics that's that's going to be taking doing the work that we're doing you know they're going to be taking the mantle to to continue and that is what is exciting about the work that we're doing and in, in addition to that the, the artist as well you know, we're building, uh, we're helping to build artist careers um, and giving them direction and support that they need at, at the very base of where they're starting. So, so yeah, this is what MACLA does. And, um, you know, partnering with the other partners with Lane, we're able to take a pulse of what's going around, what's going on across the country and how our experiences um, can benefit others and how their experiences can benefit our organization. So yeah, that's that's where we're at. First of all, congratulations on 30 years, you know, 30 <laughs> years plus, you know, being around that, that's, that speaks volumes and that you can go back to form, formal documents, like to, to the docs, documents that were part of the formulation of MACLA and say, oh, we are actually still living what the founders, um, 
perceived as important for our community that we are still doing that that we are still at this nexus is a really beautiful uh, testament to the work that i've seen both of you do and um, having opportunity to be at makla and and see the exhibition that was up and, and the work that you all have done so um first and foremost congratulations on that and oh my god Letitia, that's like the best story like the stories where someone is like, I came to volunteer. Someone's just hanging around. Next thing you know, you know, that also says something about the environment and the culture that uh, Makla creates. Yeah, it, it was I great. Know, was it there, was it great. Feels like there's a certain welcoming. Uh, oh, yeah. Angie was an intern there. So when I came back and she was the ED, it was like, oh, my God, this is this is what I want to be part of. You know, this is a place that that brought somebody and empowered them to to be a leader and I was like oh my god yes I want to be here we'll get oh I'm excited to get deeply into that because I that that says a lot about even what you were talking about around this like building leadership um can look like a lot of different things but the Mm -hmm. fact that you all not only talk about it as a current incarnation but have been um participants in in the arc of leadership at MACLA um again, is how our organization survive, right? Um, so welcome to Tactile. <laughs> so happy to have you both. And um, we start out every episode um, with the same question. It's part of what we try and lean into here is Tactile is transforming art and culture. It's a practical guide. But in order to understand the practice, we want to understand sort of the theory behind it why certain um, decisions are made or why certain avenues felt like the right way to go. And part of that is uh, for organizations, for all of our corporate organizations, how do you believe change happens? So to answer that, I mean, there's so many different ways change happens, right? I think even our current times right now, You know, we are in the midst of a pandemic. We're having a recession. I mean, there's really, it's also a time where, um, you know, a lot of the disparities and and inequities that so many of us that have been doing community-based work are aware, aware, aware of and have been working to dismantle but we've been working within existing power structures and dynamics, right? And the one thing that I am hopeful about during this time is perhaps it is this moment where we can dismantle the inequities that exist in so many of our communities that have impacted communities of color, black, black, brown, trans, I mean, so many folks, right? So I just think to acknowledge the moment that we're in right now. um, So kind of to say sometimes change happens quickly because there's a disaster, right? There's Mm -hmm. a crisis, right? And you have no other choice but to pivot, to do something differently because what you knew or what you were doing isn't going to work, right? And sometimes change happens, especially I think in the field of broadly performing arts uh, and community-based work, sometimes it's very long and slow, incremental. 
Um, and sometimes it's painful, you know, mm -hmm. just to be like, it's a journey, right? Change, change doesn't always happen overnight. And there's, and then we've talked about this in Lane, like, okay, there's our personal change as individuals of people that show up. Then there's our role as we show up within our organization. There's organizational change. There's community change. There's change with our artists. And then there's the broader field. I think often in our fields, it's this deficit model, right? That we all have something that needs to be fixed within our organizations instead of recognizing the strength and the power and the resilience that we bring to the work that we do. And so it's often in this kind of capacity building mode. Let's help you be more like a business person or have better return on investments, right? Mm -hmm. And that's one framework, but that's not the only framework. And that's not the only way of thinking about things. So I think about all of that as I think about change. And I think from where I sit and within Makla's journey within Lane, um, this has really been a process of us recognizing our essence and our strength and I think, you know, so much of what you've brought into the conversation, conversation stage is about really imagining what is the world that we want to live in, right? And how do we manifest that in ourselves, in our organizations, in our communities? And how do we really care and support one another? I think is so critical to the change. So it's kind of my long rambling change, but I know Letitia probably has something super concise and, and great to change share. Change is hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are the dynamic duo, you two. It's hard, <laughs> but it's good. Well, I think uh, um, in your ramble, there was so much, Angie. I wouldn't call it a ramble. I would call it a treatise. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I, and you know, I, I always think about people listening to this, you know, 20, 30 years from now, like we are in the middle of both a, a global pandemic and um, in the middle of our time talking right now in the middle of a, a rebellion moment inside the country we live in right now. Um, and this idea of like what works or what doesn't work is this, we're seeing so much that doesn't work. Uh, I've often seen it called and been, been attached to this idea of a crisis of legitimacy like these structures that we, we believed in so much either don't work, have never worked. Um, and how do we, instead of trying to fit ourselves into something that we no longer believe in, how do we find something that we can believe in? And, and that asset and leaning into the, the assets. Because you all, sample time, before you ever came to like you all were amazing because you were already doing these things, you right. know. And we just wanted to, to support you in doing them more deeply and name them. So part of my the, the thing I wonder when you were um, low those five years ago, five, six years ago, thinking about this project and this experiment, and that really, you know, I'm grateful for you all for coming along this journey um, of thinking about how arts organizations of color can build their infrastructure in ways that are aligned with the values of what they're asking from the rest of the world, right? Um, what were some of the things you all were thinking about? Like when you were like, Makla, we know we need certain things. Um, we know there's some questions um, that we want to answer. 
And I like to believe that lane is a is a practice space, right? Like it's a space where you get to try and figure out what are the answers to the questions as opposed to coming in with the answers and just being support. So what kind of questions were on your mind? Um, and were those still the questions that, um, did they continue or did your questions shift as you got into the journey? You know, one of the things was what for me, you know, um, stepping into this, this whole project, uh, I didn't understand it. I, I didn't understand Makla's role. And again, I was looking at our financial picture and being in the same room with other organizations that had a different financial picture. I was trying to understand where we fit in, in this and, and what are we going to, what are we going to take out of this? You know, what, what are we doing? But what I didn't see that in, um, in our picture is that we were thinking, how do I say this? We, we were living in a, um, a sense of scarcity. We, we didn't even see it. <laughs> it's like, you know, I didn't even see it. You know, um, our, our, our performing arts space has no AC and it is a sweat box in the summertime. And, you know, what do you do? Well, we don't have money to fix to, to, to do that. You just buy little black fans and thinking that that was what we could do. So, so where we thought we were, so where I thought we were, we had a good financial picture was not the sense. We were, we were such, so used to, you know, okay, the door doesn't really open and close, but that's okay. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we were just making do and, and that, that was starting to, uh, to come to light. It was like, yeah, no, other organizations have these things as their norm. Why are we thinking that it's okay? You know, that this is our, 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 our normal life. And so that's, you know, we started to think about, I started to think about um, being pushed into thinking, what is ideal? What do we want? What was the best thing for our community in our organization, you know, for we where we we stand, um, we're downtown. We have a block, uh, a, a corner building, and you know, why don't we have everything that the two museums down the street have? You know, why are we not thinking like that? So that was a that was an incredible challenge um, for us, for me, of how we how what is what is it that we want? What is it you know that we look at? It's like, yeah, there's more out there. And we just, you know, in the, in the mode of always trying to, you know, get by, didn't have, didn't have the space to think bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that you're saying I, I had that, but I think yeah. that is one of the, um, uh, ways in which divestment and you know generational divestment, generational disenfranchisement, marginalization, it it, it gives us a, a sense that every little thing we have is 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 what we deserve, right? Like yeah. this is as far as you can go. Or 
Um, and so the more it's, it's, you know, we've seen it in psychology, like, the, you know, you, you, when you're blocked off, you don't imagine that there are other pathways. And so the, uh, one of the things that felt really important is to begin to build for ourselves before we're talking to anybody else, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. begin to build for ourselves, like what we believe is our actual vision and that we can find it, like, and we can have it. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Cause sure. I, that I remember our first gathering and there are so many people in the room who were like what what like, I have intellectual capital what I have these things what you know and you know for for you know for that also is that if you're going to build leadership then you need to understand that yourself in order to teach that you know you want you you want the future leaders to always think big and not and not fall, keep you know fall short of of what their potential is mm -hmm. so so yeah it's like okay that was an incredible experience for me it's like wow that was so much part of our dna that scarcity mindset right mm -hmm. and well mm -hmm. at the same time i think we had a great sense of our kind of assets within our community right? Mm -hmm. And those are our relationships with other artists, with other organizations, with other networks. But for our own internal, let's, it was just kind of like, oh, this is how we do things. We don't have the resources. So everyone sweats a lot in the summer in our performances, or we don't rent out yeah. the space, right? Or yeah. folks. So it's just like, it's like getting over that framework was really, um, a critical moment, I think, for our lane journey. And then, you know, I just went back and I read our LOI because I remember, I think, in the fall first when NPN was talking about Lane having a conversation with Sage and Stanlin of being like, so tell me more about this Lane initiative and is this the right path for Makla to consider? Um, and then I, I read our LOI from January 2016 and just remember like, oh, what a different time that is, right? And I think mm -hmm. even, again, the essence of Makla is the same, but we were talking a lot about the facility purchase a few years ago, which again, the facility is still an issue, but that was very much like front and center and we're going to do a capital campaign and it's about building board capacity and staff capacity. And those things are still true, but also really looking at the part about, well, how do we support our team? How do we retain staff in the high cost of living that the Bay Area was at that time and has kind of, you know, even added more to, that, to now, right? I mean, I think the current moments kind of, put a pause on a lot of things, but, you know, just the reality is that traffic here was really challenging. You know, um, in the past, you could live in the East Bay and commute to work in Makla, and now kind of no one, you know, would, would really wisely take that opportunity because mm -hmm. it's a couple hours drive, which should be 40 minutes. So... And then also, too, just really understanding, like, what does it mean for our organization to build and care for our team? I mean, I think I see a lot of that as I look for it. And that probably wasn't, it was in there. And now through this journey, I just realized how important that is, right? 
um, and how even, you know, sharing with Letitia, it was like we had a staff meeting earlier today and we all took some time to breathe together. And we had had one agenda, but the world had changed since the agenda had been developed. And we was like, look, I think we need more time for a check-in. What does everyone think? And everyone's like, yeah, let's, and it was like, okay, those other items, we'll talk about it, but let's do this. Let's take care of ourselves first, right? Mm -hmm. um, and really, you know, create a space for people to be vulnerable and bring their full selves into the role, which I feel like we always did, but I don't know. We were always so busy yeah. doing the work that we could run ourselves so we would be too quick or too tired to really think about the care of our team. And so really now it's like, you know, encouraging people. It's like, you know, we got notification that we could all get the call map for free. So it's like, hey folks, if this is a useful tool, use it please, right? And, mm -hmm. and I think that's really different than even five years ago, Letitia. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, and just really intentionally bringing that together. Thank you all for sharing that. That's such a journey. Like it makes me think about um, the way our organizations get praised for being scrappy yeah. or like all these like words. I mean, like, oh, isn't it amazing? Oh, you're miraculous. You're magical. You're yeah. and you're like, no, we actually have less and do more. And that actually isn't a path to wellness. Right. So yeah. how do you go from scrappy to health and wellness? And it sounds like the journey you all have made. Um, also is like, how do you go from sort of property to the people right? yeah. uh, in the journey of understanding what organizational health means? So thank you for sharing that. And, and thank you for thinking about your people and taking the moment to check in with each other and see how, um, what folks need. I think that the, the arc of organizational health um, is certainly I hope within Lane and in other organizations moving from um, our bottom line, our, our P&Ls, our, our budgets to the wellness of the people who are doing the work, which then impacts the experience of folks you get to come in who get to come in contact with you. One of the things that um, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit more about care for um, your team and your people, because one of the things that I often think about Makla and your journey um, has been about um, finding the right matrix of folks, how and and having folks positioned in ways, and and you all have been really beautiful in 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 your experimentation of like trying <laughs> I, new things. I remember there was a time when there was a, you know Letitia, director of operations, was doing some program oversight. Like that. <laughs> Can you talk about um, some of the things that you learned in that experimentation of? hiring or shifting staff that has helped you get to this more like human-centered, well-being-centered organizational health model? That was a challenge. That was a big challenge for us. We went through a, we went through a period of time when uh, we thought we were ready to jump into our, 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 our plan and everything was lined up. We had you know, the funds, we had the budget, we had everything, everything in place. And we were focused on, you know, the organization and its, um, its directions. And no, 
<laughs> no, that was not the case. That was so far from from being the from you know planned a paper. It 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 and then we were uh, you know we were surprised because we thought we thought we were we were on the right path and come to find and understand you know with with Lane's support is that uh, the structure of our organization was not was no longer working and uh, we had to rather than jump on this train and you know hire these people and move forward and just you know do this incredible programming we had to slam on the brakes um, we literally had to slam on the brakes to stop and fix our house, you know, mm -hmm. fix, fix what we have um, before we brought more people in. You know, we just couldn't bring somebody in into, into um, it wasn't chaos. It just was not a good, a good structure. Yeah, I know. Leticia, you, you're so <laughs> eloquent about how challenging that time was and just deeply grateful for my partnership with you in this journey because um you know i think i've always believed in shared leadership and you know look to bring in and to support more folks in their leadership roles and realizing that sometimes it takes people time and understanding to step into a role and also acknowledging that leadership looks different for different folks. And yeah. though we had done a lot of deep conversations with our team at MACLA about the transformation we are hoping to achieve and saying, is everyone on board? Are we building this together? We realized that, yeah, there was some hierarchy in our organization and there were some points where it could have been more of an opportunity to go deeper into building the relationships that would hold us through times of challenge mm -hmm. and that we didn't necessarily do all of that work, right? And so as Letitia shared, like, okay, we got the financial resources, we're ready to go make things happen and then absolutely put the brakes on it to a screeching halt. And for someone that, you know, I'm, I'm okay with things being iterative, but I'm also like, let's get it done. Let's make things happen. Mm -hmm. I was really frustrated and I knew absolutely we had to do the work internally and really do the deep work with the buy-in to say, look, this is where we want to go. And we know this journey may be challenging for some folks we know this is different perhaps than when you signed on and that's okay. So how do we come in and out of this space? Right. And what makes sense? Right. And really kind of letting each individual articulate what that looks like for them and, and being as supportive as we can, but also knowing that we need to have somewhat of a stable foundation. I don't think you ever have an absolutely right. I think that's the, that's the beauty even within lane is to, instead of being scared or frustrated by shifting landscapes and different things happening to be like, Oh, change will happen. 
right? And it's really about how do you center yourself, your team, your organization, and move through that change? And where, where does that change put folks, right? And how does mm -hmm. that change as an opportunity to more align with our values? Thank you for that. I think that's a beautiful uh, example of what you're all talking about and what gener people say the term generative tension, right? That it's Love not it. just tension for tension's sake, but that there is something born out of that, that rub that is actually more than would have been capable had you just pretended the tension doesn't yeah. exist, just <laughs> moved along, you know, good luck. <laughs> Here's a, here's a therapist number, good luck with that, you know, and just kept on going. Um, and I think that also, um, I wanna uplift what you, you said, Angie, about having the conversation with people about this is where we're headed. How do you find yourself in it? Do you find yourself in it? And if not, there are loving transitions that can happen, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think you all have, have really um, uh, helped folks find their, find their place inside a vision that you knew was going somewhere yeah. um, in a way that feels very um, collaborative, collective, you know, um, I always say like this idea of de decentralized leadership doesn't mean there's no leadership, yeah. <laughs> like leadership happens, right? Like, right. How, how do you bring everyone involved in the, in the direction and journey? You know, as much as you try to um, support and support and, you know, make things work you know from from where i sat we're looking at numbers you know at the end of the day we're a business and if it's not going to work then we need to make a change and if you can't make it we're going to make it for you and that was hard you know that was that was incredibly hard you know uh my sons work in tech um the tech industry. I said, Mom, what are you doing? You know, out the door. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, no, let's, let's, you know, we're gonna have another meeting. And, you know, and there's like, Mom, that's not how it's like, Oh, my God, you know, I said, that's why you're in a different place than I am. But we can't go too far from that, though. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's the reality of, of how we want to move forward. And so yeah, we had to make those, those decisions for people and and uh, just lay it all out you know you either want to be here and move forward or it can't be like it was before you know and I keep I, I keep going back to the, the the growth mindset now in hindsight I there was people that you know we always did it this way you know and um, there's no change it's like yeah there is change you know. And you've got leadership saying change happens yeah. all the time. Yeah. So how do you align? It sounds like um, you all took really took the time to find your principled no. I don't know yeah. if they do that in the tech industry, if they have a principled yeah, no. Yeah, no, they don't. But you, <laughs> no. all, you all took the time to find your Yeah, no, they don't. <laughs> no. Um, Angie, you mentioned a little bit about like the traffic and what that meant. Like, so, and what that got my mind percolating on is like the external conditions that impact mm -hmm. how our organizations are able to function. Um, and I wonder if you all can talk a little bit about um, your assets as an organization and the conditions um, that, and, and how they played 
um, a role in how you address some of the conditions, right? Like some of the things that were inside the organization, your values, the things that how you function and how you use those to meet some of the external conditions that would make Makla's health challenging, whether it's gentrification, whether it's traffic, whether it's, you know, ticket prices, what does it mean to be in community? Yeah, no, those are great questions, Sage. So, I mean, I think, you know, a few things like you were even saying earlier, we really took that kind of scrappy approach as an organization. Like we were, and often we weren't always as healthy as we should be um, to make things happen, right? I think earlier in my timeline as an ED, folks would say, oh no, we need to work 60, 70 hours to do this work. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so maybe you can do that a week, maybe two, but beyond that, you're going to burn out, right? And so how do we refocus, right? And again, as an organization, during the last several years, you know, we've grown based upon a couple of different sources, but a lot of it was the ability to attract more organized philanthropy, right? So being able to get attention from funders and have investments and government growth of government contracts and different opportunities. And all of that became a lot to manage. Right. And so understanding for us, like what got us to this level won't get us to the next level. Hmm. Right. Hmm. Like you can't like at a certain point you can't scale anymore, or if you're going to scale, you're going to become some completely other structure. And so understanding, you know, just the context up until recently, it's like, oh, earlier in my career, you could live in San Francisco and commute to San Jose and it would be fine or San Francisco, right? You could have this more regional approach, but with the high cost of living here and with the traffic and the density, these are all external forces that are pushing. And if you think about people's quality of life it's like yes you could live in the central valley and commute to makla but you're not going to be happy right and i think as letitia and i were you know hiring folks and bringing folks in our team and the more that we were clear on what our values are like i don't think in the past we would say we want you specifically to be able to be a healthy happy person when you walk in the door, like we all have bad days, we all have challenges, it's not going to always be perfect. But we don't want to create structures that add more stress to your life. Mm. Right. And so how do we think about our role as an organization, as an employer, as a collaborator, really, in the work that we're all trying to do, in a way that is more just and more human centered and understanding how critical it is to care for our team. Um, So I think that's something that's really come into play in the last few years. And, and to really encourage people to take personal time, right? I mean, we have, there's whatever's in our HR handbook and, and that's there. And I'm in, in, I'm not dismissive of that. That's critical, right? Mm-hmm. And also, I think when this early, ha- this happened, um, this being COVID, right? You know, we had to cancel a major production. We have IRE that we actually had an NPN Creation Fund award to support the work by Paul Flores and really critical 
work uplifting um, the voices and stories of Afro-Cuban artists, right? A big multi-year production we've been incubating this and we had to cancel it and postpone it because of COVID and it was hard. It was a hard decision for us to make. It was hard for our staff. Um, and we had to do it. And so we said, okay, we're doing this. We know this has been a tough time for our team. Let's have everyone just take a personal day on Monday, right? Like go outside, go take a hike, go, go do whatever you need to do to feel better. And then we'll regroup as a team on Tuesday, but you're paid for that day. That's that, right? And I think it's being part of this process and like really thinking about the external things coming in and to say, okay, well, how, what do we need to be happy and healthy as humans um, doing this work and, and thinking about that. And then just even too kind of a going off on a little bit, another tangent here, but thinking about the, with Paul Flores, right. Um, you know, we've never had to cancel a production, a residency, never, 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 right? I mean, occasionally artists have had to postpone things for their own health or other issues, but that's that. And so, you know, we were trying to understand how do we navigate through this, right? What's, what's the contractual thing for us to do? What's the right thing to do? Um, and it was hard and you know we we read through our agreement and was like oh well i guess if this is like you know those acts of nature and those indemnity clauses that you cancel things you know our our obligation was only to i think pay the artist like 10 or 15 percent of the contract and when we sat and we thought about it and we we're like well wait a minute all of we have 15 people that would have been part of this production performing on our stage, plus our own tech people, plus our hourly folks that were going to work this event. Everyone was expecting to get paid for next week. They weren't expecting a pandemic to happen because we weren't right. And so really understanding what's our moral obligation to our artists and to everyone that we work with. And so, you know, we looked at what was said and then we also made the decision that it's like, no, this is absolutely the time that we need to take leadership and live our values. And we paid our artists in full for that production. We paid our tech folks in full for the hours we'd scheduled them for because that's the right thing to do. And we are hoping that other folks take leadership. And we know that not all organizations might have been in a position to take a financial hit like we did with this, but it was absolutely the right thing to do. And I also think it really brought us additional credibility of living our values with our artists and with those that we partner with. Oh, thank you, Ella. And, and in, in my imagination, because you all take the stance that is, you know, the right stance versus the contractual stance and, and, and this place that it also gives you a different level of credibility with um, some of the organized philanthropy that you talked about, right? Like, so then you can look to them and say, I'm living the values that we are in partnership about. Where do you show up with what you have to offer in this scenario and can, which is often, how do you support our organization financially? 
Like, if we're going to take the hit because it's the right thing to do for the artists, then how can we also look to those who are funding and supporting our organizations and say, you have some of the similar words in your mission that I have in my mission, right? So where do you come in in terms of making this right for everyone? And there's a, a, a you know, the, the L in lane stands for leverage. <laughs> How do we, how do we really, and sometimes that looks like a little bit of a crowbar and sometimes it looks like an email. It could be, you just never know what you're, what you're going to get. Um, but by taking the stance that you have, you've absolutely increased the amount of leverage that you have. Um, and, and it's less of a hat in hand and more of a stand up. Mm-hmm. And are you going to stand with me? Moment. So I, I, I have so much respect for you all and so much respect for the work that you all do in those moments because um, they're scary. Yeah. It had a good, uh, in addition to that, it had a really, a really positive um, effect on our, on our staff that to, for them to see that, Hey, you know, this is the organization that we work with and um, this, they stand up for their, for their values and I'm part of it. So that really empowered them. And um, just, just, it was, it was just, really great to see that that they repeated it over and over and now you know they truly it's one thing when you you know something you hear something but when you actually feel it um it makes a difference and uh, it it did you know and it continues to do that so that's great we're really happy about that it makes you feel like you might drive a little farther to work for that organization yeah 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 so, Letitia, you were talking about change is hard. <laughs> and, and it is. I'm curious about, um, uh, and this was for both of you, but uh, I'm curious about um, what were some of the hard places that you might have found? And were there ways that you, you figured out or, or ways that we wound up making them softer? Like when you, when you hit a rub? Or, yeah. I, I think the first, the first, the first one was um, we, we, broke our organizational chart apart. You know, we, we, we just went back and we looked at it just because, you know, you're you, then you supervise this one and this one and this one. And, you know, because the organizational chart says so, that's how it's going to happen. And, and that's where we realized that, yeah, no, that's not a good, that's not a good way to think. You know, and and again, you know what what Angie was talking about was how people took leadership, and and the reality is not everybody wants to be a leader. People are comfortable being, you know, uh, um, you know, a supporter and a follower, and if you impose that, then you're setting them up to fail. So we had to take break it down and look at um, how look at it differently, you know, and in doing that. We also had to change how we communicate with each other. You know, it's like, how do we communicate with each other? And we used uh, a a Lane resource on how to um, best ways to communicate. And the fact that we were even talking about it was was a change. It's like, oh, you know, just no, that's that's not. uh, It's just something that also needed to be fixed. And once we, we, we accepted those and we acknowledged those, you know, it was like putting a puzzle back together again, but it was a different puzzle. And it felt better. You People felt um, 
empowered and inclusive in the decision making and that was the other one the other one the 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 other one was the the shared philanthropy you know we had people spending money that you know Makla will pay for it mm. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like yeah no you know you want to spend it but what is your role in bringing funds in oh, interesting. you know everybody has a role in everything that you're doing everybody has a role it's not like it's somebody else's uh, somebody else's job which is what the thinking was prior to that so we changed that that whole um, um, that whole practice and that whole that whole philosophy is like yeah no it's not somebody's job it's everybody's job to be accountable for uh, um, money coming in and money coming out money going out and that was you know between between that the the org chart and the communications and how communication flowed who made the decisions we we you know we had group meetings and this is the agenda if we're going to meet give me an agenda so we don't waste time you know your time is just as valuable as mine so give me you know send me that and let me know what we're going to cover you know those kind of practices and and so you know those are the 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 you know again with with um the um workshops that we had with lane you know get the ideas from talking to our partners and uh, the speakers that you brought. And it's like, yeah, I like the way they talk. We need to bring them with us kind of thing. And, and, and uh, we, we, we did a lot of that. So, so, uh, and again, you know, that's why we think our, our success has been on, on all the resources that we were able to, um, you know, experience with, with our lane workshops. That's why every single one of them was just a, a you know, a treasure box of gems of, of uh, information and resources and ideas and, uh, you know, it was great. I miss them. <laughs> That's really exciting um, because what I, what, I, what I felt listening to you, Letitia, is that, you know, the well-being of the organization um, is spread amongst everyone. Right? Mm -hmm. Not to say that everyone does the same body of work. Right? It doesn't mean, you know, suddenly the, the person at the receptionist is now responsible for entertaining, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know donors or that. But that from wherever you position yourself, from wherever you sit, you are invested in the well-being and the health of this organization. Um, that um, And that that is a part of the lens by which you do whatever it is you do. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, it's like a real organizational culture shift, like a culture shift inside um, where you were. And I just want to shout out, and I think you're referring to Lisa Jervis and Information Ecology. Yep. Yep. So yes. I just want to shout yep. out. Uh, she did a great Ecology job with us. As a wonderful partner for uh, Ennis. Is um, it Ennis Carter? Ennis Carter. Yes. Ennis Carter and Social Impact Studios. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think that, that there's, there's sometimes an assumption that we can figure some things out about like how we talk to each other. And there are people who do this, <laughs> help us figure out how, you know, it's almost like a relationship coach for an organization, right? Like, what do we need to be saying to each other so that we hear each other and yeah. that we're building the same things, right? That's gorgeous, gorgeous. Are there things that surprised you? either about yourselves, um, your team, or things that came in from Lane that you're like, oh, 
oh, that that's something I should be thinking about? I hadn't thought of that before. It's like a little pop-up toy thing where you read and then jack in the box. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Who knew? I think what surprised me during this journey is how clear we were initially about where we wanted to go. And I thought we had a pretty good roadmap of how we were going to get there. And we were pretty confident of like, oh, this is, this is what we're going to do and this is how it's going to go. And I think thinking about just the outcome didn't allow the journey that needed to happen happen, right? So if I could reshape this, right? We were thinking about like, well, what's the end result or where do we want to get to? And here's what our preconceived ideas of how to do it. And kind of sharing as Letitia was like this transformation with our team, building a cultural philanthropy, building more shared leadership, really having Letitia step up as a leader within our organization. All of these things, I want to, you know, I mean, like in some, some grant reports you have to write about, well, what were the unintended consequences <laughs> of this grant, you know, and, and kind of in that vein, but in a really amazing way, it's like, the unintended consequence or the beauty of this journey was really all of these learnings that came along that we had no idea we even needed and just understanding how transformative that has been, right? So I think, you know, Sage, you've always been talking about the work of Adrienne Marie Brown and emergent strategy. And I was always like, okay, it's on my reading list. I'll get to it. I'll download it. You know, and then I found myself in a time last year where I was like, okay, I have it downloaded. I have a hard copy. I'm going to, like, I was like, let me get my head around what Sage is talking about. And I opened the book and I think Tanya from Suthiatro has said like, don't worry about having to read it start to finish. You could just even open up pages and it will be what you need. Right. And I remember opening up something and reading and then being like, oh, so much is about this flocking, this gathering, right? It's about how you see things in nature and how that relates to our human condition and I was really like, I was like, oh my goodness, Sage really is Sage, right? I mean, <laughs> I was having this kind of quasi-religious experience um, and just like in tears of just being like, oh, now I get it. Now I understand what this journey has meant to be as part of Lane and to be in community with such an amazing inspirational group of people and to have this change happen within ourselves as individuals, our organization, our teams, and just really, I think being more in community, right? I think even, even though or MACLA as an organization had always been thinking about asset mapping and community development, um, you know, from a asset point of view, I also think to some degree, uh, we had had some individualistic points of view, right, uh, as an organization, and really now thinking deeply and broadly about, well, what is the ecosystem, and how do we support others, and how do we amplify their voices, and 
you know, again, always as we have lived our values, but being really specific and saying, oh, if we're going to order food for a Makla event, let's support our local Latinx immigrant run business. Like that's us living our values, right? And there's so many different ways that that shows up, but just really, you know, grateful for you, Sage, for your leadership and inspiration um, and mentorship that you've just provided during this whole opportunity. So I think that for me, that's the big surprise because I had no idea we even needed that um, and just want to thank you with so much great gratitude. It is, it is my honor really to walk with all of you all. And, and like you said, an amazing cohort of organizations that have been doing work for so long um, and supporting so many brilliant artists and community members and holding down the NPN network, you know, like we, <laughs> you know, and, and staying in, in the mix there. Um, yeah. It was really clear in your applications and your interviews to become part of Lane that there was some, you knew there was somewhere to go. You knew there was somewhere to go. And um, you knew that this was uh, some type of vehicle even though you might not have known where yeah. the vehicle was going. <laughs> you know, we all kind of climbed in the Scooby van. And, and, you know. and I was in the backseat going, why? Why are we going, Angie? What? What, what are we going to do? Why? I was like, okay, just sit, buckle up. But uh, yeah, there we go. And grateful that we get to land in this place together and, and stay together you know, and stay together as we continue to move forward. I'm so grateful for your time today. So truly. I'm going to give you, if there's anything else you want to share that I haven't asked, I always like to offer that. We're still growing. We're still moving forward. We're still learning all kinds of things. Um, you know, and that's the exciting, you know, the path that we have. Um, we're just, uh, we're ready to move forward. We're ready to just keep going and building uh, again. You know, my joy is uh, looking at our, our leadership that we're, um, that we're fostering inside of our organization. No, they're not going to be with us for, you know, 20 years or 10 years, but, you know, they're going to go off and do great things. And, um, you know, as, as they transition off, we bring new people in to start, you know, bringing in all the right, giving them the right tools and support that they need. And uh, yeah, no, that's, that's Makla's role. And uh, we're, we're, we're excited. Yeah. I just want to echo, like I'm super inspired by our team and about the work of our artists and our community and know that these are challenging, really challenging times right now. And I think I'm hopeful that on the other side of this time that um, we will have more equity and justice within our world and within our community. And so just, again, grateful to spend time with both of you today talking about Makla's lane journey. Well, take good care. Thank you. Thanks. This has been a recording of Tactile, a practical guide to transforming art and culture. The podcast of Leveraging a Network for Equity, LANE. LANE is a program of the National Performance Network.
Lane is sponsored by the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. If you would like more information on Lane, our cohort members, or the National Performance Network, please visit www.npnweb.org. Thank you for listening. And please, share Tactile with your friends and colleagues.